Hi everyone, this is Jean-Marc. I am the creator of Data Mesh, uh, the founder of Next Data. We are reimagining what data sharing could look like. We are growing our team rapidly and we need you. If you are a distributed systems engineer, if you're a product manager or designer of a large-scale PaaS SaaS infrastructure, please check out our page at nextdata.com and look at our open roles. We'd love to hear from you. A written transcript of this episode is provided by Starburst. For more information, you can see the show notes. Welcome to Data Mesh Radio with your host, Scott Hurlman, sponsored by Starburst. This is Adrian Estala, VP and Field CDO at Starburst and host of Data Mesh TV. Starburst is the leading contributor to Trino, the open source project, and the Data Mesh for Dummies book that I co-wrote with Colleen Tarto and Andy Mont. To claim your free book, head over to starburst.io. Data Mesh Radio is provided as a free community resource by Data Mesh Understanding. It is produced and hosted by me, Scott Hurlman. I started this podcast as a place for practitioners to get useful information about Data Mesh and we're at over 200 episodes. I've now left Datastacks, you know, thanks for all their help in ha- founding things, but I've left to start Data Mesh Understanding, which is also helping practitioners to get to the information needed to do Data Mesh well. We have free implementer introduction and roundtable programs, in addition to the more advanced yet affordable offerings. So please do get in touch if you're looking for more information on how to do, how to approach Data Mesh. Just check datameshunderstanding.com for more info. There's also a helpful organization of past Data Mesh radio episodes there if you want to dig into specific topics rather than digging through 200 different episodes. So with that, let's hit the funky intro music and listen to what you'll hear about in this interview episode. Episode 250, Staying Aligned on the Vision and Data Mesh, Lessons from Volkswagen's Journey. Bottom line up front, what are you going to hear about and learn about in this episode? I interviewed Christoph Spohr, lead architect of big data platforms and the product owner of Data Mesh at Volkswagen Group. To be clear, though, Christoph was only representing his own views on the episode. As well, quick note, apologies that my audio is a bit weird here. Um, I had yet to build my little makeshift sound studio once I moved to the Netherlands, so there were some real strange echo issues. So it's listenable, but I sound a little bit haunting sometimes. So some key takeaways or thoughts from Christoph's point of view. Number one, quote, there are not solutions, only trade-offs. Understand that nothing is perfect. This should be something that every architect has kind of on their wall or as part of their background. This is something that you need to understand of, of data mesh. There are not solutions. Nothing is, gets completely solved. There's only trade-offs. Number two, controversial one here, your biggest risk to a use case is choosing the wrong abstraction, the wrong architectural paradigm. When working with a domain, look for a way to achieve the required result that is as close to their existing ways of working as possible. You know, Scott note here, this can become challenging on finding reusable ways of working if you go too far 
But it also, as Christoph mentioned, greatly smooths domain level adoption. It's all a big trade-off. But if you're going in with the way that the domain already works, you're going to have far less friction. Number four, potentially controversial. A really key aspect of doing data mesh well is having and keeping perspective. Doing data mesh is more about, quote, aligning people on a shared vision and not getting lost in the overall process. Don't get so bogged down in the exact implementation details if possible. Number five, keep people informed and aligned and start your conversations on clarifying what people believe or understand about data mesh so you aren't talking past each other. For many people in your organization, their understanding of data mesh will be shaped by vendor content and conversations. You need to check alignment many times as it can drift. You need to keep coming back to that. What are you thinking and, and realigning? Number six, advice to his former data mesh self. Really focus on keeping that communication between all parties going and making sure people are aligned on the approach, complexities, trade-offs, and risks. And don't think people automatically stay aligned. Again, stay on top of the communications and relationships. Number seven, in a large organization, if you want to implement data mesh, find sweet spots for it to succeed because you will have to make compromises and trade-offs, as we said earlier. Everything in data and IT is about finding the right compromises, but don't put yourself in a place where your compromises fully undermine your data mesh vision. Number eight, when putting together your enterprise-level vision for data mesh, you need to break it down into two parts. A, how would it work with and serve existing business processes? And B, how to approach the IT architecture and assessing and acquiring the necessary capabilities to do data mesh. Number nine, data mesh is one of the most, if not the most, complex data architectures. And you need to have a strong understanding of the complexities and not underestimate them. Otherwise, scalability will likely be a significant challenge down the road. Number 10, data mesh does not mean all your data problems go away. As Jamak says, it also just kind of creates new ones. Number 11, it's important to listen to stakeholders' challenges and deliver a solution that addresses those challenges. If you try to deliver to their exact wants, those often aren't scalable ways to address their challenges. Focus on the end result, not what they say they want. Number 12, when it comes to data mesh, make sure stakeholders understand that there is a cultural change component. If they want things to work at the speed and scale data mesh can provide, if done well, approaches and hearts slash minds have to change. Data mesh is not a magic wand to wave at your data to make your approaches and solutions immediately scalable. Number 13, potentially controversial one, your IT people need to work on their communication skills. And watch out for the IT you know, slash data team members getting a big head about what they can actually do, these amazing things they can do with data. That can create lots of challenges if they kind of get that ego. Number 14, plant your data mesh seeds early. Have conversations with stakeholders, even when they aren't ready to take advantage of the data mesh approach slash your implementation yet. They will be much more likely to come to you for help when they actually are ready and they're eager. Number 15, Try to understand your senior leader's IT systems backgrounds, right? And their favorite or at least known approaches. 
when you frame data work in a way they understand as to how they understand dealing with IT systems, even if some of the implementation aspects underneath that will change, they're much more likely to be in favor of it because they've seen how it can work and how and possibly how it can't, you know, it doesn't work. And so they understand kind of what are the puts and takes. Number 16, potentially controversial. Instead of going to the business leaders, look to talk to the technical people within a domain first to find out the business challenges at the technical level. That way you can bring the business leaders an idea of an approach that is more fully formed. Scott note here, you can take this you know, too far quite easily and try to come in with only a technical solution to the challenge. But I do think you want to do a little bit of fact finding before you go to leaders, especially if you're in a hierarchical organization. Number 17, potentially controversial one as well. People think data platforms are mostly about doing more and more complex analysis on data, but that's rarely the use cases that add the most value. Scott note here, I strongly agree. Reducing friction to leveraging data is rarely about the most complex data and analytics practices. Number 18, quote, my loyalty to data mesh ends when complexity gets too big. You know, Scott note here, take this one to heart. Data mesh for the sake of data mesh helps no one, except maybe a resume. <laughs> Finally, number 19, don't get bogged down by analysis paralysis. Look to work in a single or simple and speedy manner. If you have to backtrack, it is almost certainly still going to be quicker than trying to answer every question ahead of doing the work. Okay, enough of just me. Let's hear from our awesome guest in this interview episode. Okay. Very, very excited for today's episode. This is actually my first one recording from Europe. So um, so I've got uh, Christoph Spohr here, who is the lead architect of Big Data Platforms and the product owner of Data Mesh in the Volkswagen group. Um, but to be clear, though, he's only representing his own views on this episode. We're going to be cost, you know, covering a whole lot of different things. Um, you know, a lot of how do you integrate Data Mesh into the actual data strategy? Like, what does that mean for the business strategy? A lot of people kind of focus too much on the exact data strategy versus the business strategy. And like, and then you kind of lose sight of the data work, or you focus too much on the data work and kind of doing that. So how do you actually think about data mesh as part of your overall business strategy, which again, can help you drive buy-in as well? Um, how do you look at risks from a realistic lens, not let them totally stop you? You know, it's that balancing act be between all of that. You know, uh, Christoph said, be prepared to get lost or be prepared, but don't get lost in the details, right? Like that's something that I think is really, really easy in data mesh to, to really drill down into this. So we're going to talk about a whole lot of things that, that he's learned throughout his journey and just kind of some overall talking points. But before we get to that, Christoph, if you don't mind giving people a bit of an introduction to yourself, and then we can jump into the conversation at hand. Hi. My name is Christoph Spohr. I'm lead architect, big data platforms, product owner, data mesh. 
also responsible for the um, fine-grained data access side of data governance and because of all the experience that I've gathered handling petabytes of data on a day-to-day -day basis, I'm also heavily involved in designing Volkswagen's new IT data strategy. Apart from that, as a human, I enjoy cooking. Uh, I do workouts a lot. I have a nice family of three children, a dog and a lovely wife and live here in Nuremberg, Germany. And the bar, I'm about 40. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, and um, I, I like that thing as well about the fine-grade access control. We could talk a little bit about that and wrapping that in because I think that's exactly one of those details that you can get lost in of trying to get overly specific, overly prescriptive versus like, what do we actually need and things like that. But wh why don't we start from kind of that, you know, you're helping to form that IT strategy. Like, how do you think about including data mesh into that IT strategy? You know, we can start at the very high level or we can get into any specifics, but a lot of people are really struggling with how do you think about data mesh in your overall business strategy because data mesh is so specific to how do we accomplish the data aspects of it and and we haven't talked as much or jamac hasn't talked as much in kind of the core aspects of data mesh about but this is to actually power business results right like if it doesn't if it's not about the business it doesn't make any sense to do the data work so i'd love to hear kind of how you're integrating that how are you integrating with other folks how are you thinking about all of that? Uh, you know, basically just tell everybody how to do all of the data strategy side. Uh, nothing easier to do than that. Huh? Um, first of all, it's important to keep in mind that everything I tell is from a really large scale perspective. So we are talking 700K employees, um, global enterprise, um, three-digit petabyte scale data, so it's all enormous, and this is the background. And much of the background is um, about aligning people on a shared vision and not getting lost in the overall process. And one thing I found particularly interesting in JMark's book, when you read it, actually the whole part of the organizational integration of the data mesh there isn't pretty much talk about it. There's something about team topologies, but this is still a rather low level. But how do we actually integrate this completely new paradigm into an, an existing established um, enterprise IT system and its processes? And and how how do we gain a common understanding of what we want to achieve and how data mesh can help us that um, this I found out is one of the main challenges of my work, especially because now that you introduced me and, and talked about data mesh and enterprise strategy, the first question is, what do you mean by data mesh? Well, what I found out is the understanding of data mesh, at least as I've experienced, is pretty much driven by salespeople. So and for some reason, each and every tool now wants to be data mesh. So given the specific sales people, your your um, interaction partner has mainly deal, dealt with, he most probably has a slightly or very different understanding of what the data mesh is 
and what he can achieve with this, with it, and which kinds of technologies are surrounding it, especially the question um, how much how much centralized or decentralized is a data mesh actually? So um, yeah, you know, even before getting into specific enterprise strategy, this form for my part would be the most important points to clarify and or even to understand that most probably your discussion partner has a different understanding of data mesh because so many people are pushing completely different ideas about the data meshes. Yeah, and, and I've tried to do, you know, at least the part of the reason for this podcast and a lot of that is to share what people are actually doing and how that works, but exactly what you talked about. One thing I've talked about is kind of, uh, I say, you know, if you're going to talk to a business partner and you're going to use the phrase data mesh, just replace it with unicorn farts. And they're going to say, well, I would never say that to my business partner. And it's like, well, you shouldn't really say data mesh to them, right? If data mesh isn't the point, data mesh is a, a, a framework for how we can set ourselves up to do decentralizing the ownership of the data, but that doesn't mean everything's decentralized. You decentralize the architecture, you decentralize the ownership, but like if you don't have any standards, then everything just falls apart, right? If you don't have centralized governance team that isn't actually governing the data versus enabling others to govern the data, right? Like you think about that exactly what you talked about, team topologies team of all these centralized teams are enabling teams and, you know, and that you also kind of go at your own pace. You talk about a 700,000 person company. You don't just go in and go, we're now doing data mesh. Everybody now owns your data. And people are like, how? I don't, so like, I don't know. You just figure it out and then come back to us. It doesn't work, right? It's, it, it's just, it's preposterous to, to, to think like that. And yet exactly what you talked about of these people coming into it and going, well, the tool vendor said, I just do this. And therefore I'm now doing data mesh. And it's like, no, this is about how we all work together at, at the enterprise level. So, I mean, when you're talking about developing this this IT strategy, you're obviously not doing it into a void, right? You've got a 700,000 person company, right? Like there's a, um, there's a huge, huge amount of momentum in kind of another direction. So how are you building this in so that it can be part of a strategy, but that it doesn't, it's not like we're shifting the way everything in the company works today versus we're building up the momentum to be better at what we're trying to do and focus on what we're actually trying to accomplish via, you know, doing data better. And it's not that the point is doing data better. It's that we can do better work if we do better with our data. So like, how are you kind of creating that roadmap that goes at a, a reasonable pace and that doesn't try to get too far ahead of itself and doesn't get lost in the details. Yeah, I will even start before the roadmap. You know, for, for me, the most important point is everybody has a shared understanding of the overall vision of what you want to achieve, some kind of core paradigm, core vision. Everybody should be able to tell for us, it's a, the ideal of a data shopping process, something like an Amazon inspired process where you can, um, you know, um, have a catalog where everything is is documented. You can search it. You have somehow a data approval process integrated with it. When 
you have some kind of delivery mechanism for for the data. Um, you provide um, managed analytics capabilities on top, and then somehow managed um, dashboarding, reporting, visualization services in addition to it. So this is even before the data mesh. So and, and it's very helpful to have this shared vision because it keeps the constraint and the context for all the other ideas that might come up. And then again, specific to the, the data mesh, um, I, I mean, uh, being a bit too euphoric, what we initially tried was, or we were pretty much convinced it's the best idea ever and we wanted to do it, but this doesn't work out. It's more, in at this scale, it's more about making compromises, you know, and um, finding out a place for each solution. And when you are in such a large enterprise, um, I would say this is the right assumption. Look for the sweet spot for your paradigm and then implement it in a way that it is able to demonstrate what it can deliver. And for us, this was, um, the case was um, highly distributed data in different environments that was only partially complete and that needed data sets from other environments to be completed. And in this context, a data mesh is the perfect fit. And yeah. I'd love to hear a little bit about how you're mapping in into your strategy or, or whatever, how you're thinking about. So this has been a problem in a lot or a challenge in a lot of organizations. When you talk about this use case needs data from another organization or another domain or line of business or whatever you call them, right? That that this use case it requires cross domain, um, you know, collaboration, and that's just we're just seeing over and over that that's really really hard to get and keep and you know, actually align on that because there's so much of what's in it for me. So when you think about that, like how are you thinking about that in the strategy aspect? Can you build that in of, well, are we going to be pressing people to do this? Are we going to be rewarding and incenting them to do this? Like, how do you think about that aspect in the strategy? Because it's really easy to, you know, I keep hearing people um, saying that they're not getting domains to own their data. So, like, how did you map in actually getting everybody bought in into this? And, and how are you moving through that organization? Because, you know, you don't put everybody on data mesh from day one, right? You, you work through, as you said, you find those sweet spots and you find the things that are going to unlock the most value or, or that are the easiest <laughs> to unlock significant value and that you, you show that off and then you showcase and grow it. Yeah, I would like to introduce even an additional step before that for me when you have this kind of say enterprise level vision even before being able to to provide what you want to provide there are several steps i would consider um first of all you would need to um break down this um enterprise level vision and how it um corresponds to existing business processes and what are the demands of business processes. So this would be the business side of the vision. And then you need to break it down on the technical side. And for me, this would be the 
IT-Architecture perspective, and for me, this would be mostly around capabilities. So capabilities in this case require to implement this kind of data shopping process. And I wouldn't even go so fine-grained as to talk about use cases, but more about more getting into a data-driven mindset and on this level talk about the different kind of data sources, data domains, and what their specific needs are and how do you accommodate for it. And one of the typical distinctions would be um, you somehow need to accommodate OLTP data and OLAP data, you know, and SAP systems are mostly a world of their own, this kind of, and, and then I would, so, and for, for data mesh, when we talk about data mesh, this for me is a, mostly about big data style provisioning, where you have a clear focus on scalability and speed, because in, in my understanding, a data mesh is one of the most complex data architectures, and you should have a very well understanding, very good understanding of the risks involved with complexities and that you really need to have a strong, strong reason to use this kind of complex architecture. And for me, this would be mostly about scalability. And then in the, in the area of, of, um, big data. And then I think one thing you said in there is something I, I both agree with and strongly disagree with, which is funny. But it's that, you know, data mesh at the architecture level is one of the most complicated things you can do. And it is and it isn't, right? At the data product level, you think about the architect, it's about simplifying the architectures at the micro level, right? At the data product level, so that teams can actually handle their data products themselves. But when you think about how it all meshes together, how, how, you, how it all works together, you think about that. And it is just this incredibly complicated dance at the architecture level. And that's not just the technical architecture level, but that's like, you know, the interoperability standards and the, um, you know, governance by default standards. And, you know, all of these, these aspects of it's not just like what technologies, but it's how everything interoperates and, and just makes it so that this becomes a seamless experience. But at the start, it's definitely not going to be a seamless experience. It's not going to be a smooth experience for your first couple of domains. So um, I, I really like that, that you said that because I think it's very important to understand that data mesh doesn't mean a reduction at the in, in complexity in a lot of different ways. It does mean that you don't have the rigidity complexity and trying to deal with that rigidity. But when things are very fluid, that produces its own sense of of fun complexity. So I'd, I'd love to to kind of do that as well to transition into what we were planning on talking about of the um, of understanding the kind of risks that come with with data mesh because there is the you know runaway complexity. There is oh, are we just opening up all of our data to everybody to access and you know we're going to get ourselves some regulatory compliance you know issues and all that fun stuff. But like how did how did you start to get people comfortable with understanding what are the risks and like coming up with, with risk mitigation strategies instead of like risk containment where you go, oh, we're not going to go for the riskiest use case that's going to potentially get us in trouble. 
at the start because we don't know how to do this yet. So let's not do that. Like, how did you create that balancing act? So many people are letting governance and the fear of not having good enough governance prevent them from moving forward. Yeah. So the most regarding risk, the most important point for me is making sure you have got the right abstraction for your problem at hand. You know, it, it makes no, um, you, you need to, to choose the right architectural paradigm for the problem at hand and choosing the wrong core abstraction for me is the biggest risk. And there I would really in heavily invest in making sure that I do this, the stuff according to their preferred, um, paradigm. So, and then for me, for example, um, introducing, so I wouldn't introduce, uh, I, I would always from a risk perspective, um, so focus on this uh, data mesh implementation as I understand it on, on big data workloads. And the interesting part is then most people that actually deal with big data. So with big data, I mean a huge volume, a huge velo velocity and a huge variety of data. And most people that actually deal with it are struggling so much to cope with the specific challenges that come with it, namely um, um, keeping up with all the ingest of data, um, having some kind of life cycle around the data, and then um, bringing order or preventing it all to getting a huge data swamp that they are actually really interesting interested in this kind of data mesh approach because it proposes uh, a solution, especially surrounding um, removing bottlenecks, um, uniting previously, previously siloed information and providing governance on top. So this for me would be the second most important step you really need to have buy-in because it's a journey, journey for everybody and most of the people I have talked with haven't actually done it on this scale, which we are doing it at. So it's really important to um, to have buy-in from the stakeholders that they really have um, feel the pain of their existing solution and are really willing to transition to something new. This would be the most, the second most important point and. I would say for me, the third most important point about risk management is not promising any, anything I cannot actually deliver. Because what I hear, um, for me, data mesh is making data access more efficient, but it's, it's not a, a magic solution to make sense of, out, your, out, out of your data. This is something completely different and not all your data problems will, will just go away. It's, for me, it's mostly about making data accessible at scale that, and, and preventing data silos. Yeah, I think I, I like those three. So again, you said that the first biggest risk is not picking the right abstraction, the, the, you know, picking the wrong core abstraction. The second is kind of that buy-in and not making sure that you have buy-in and that you're solving a problem for the other party. I think this is something where a lot of people get um, into trouble, and I understand where they're going with this, but they get into trouble because 
they're trying to get um they're trying to get data out of teams instead of add value back to the teams that are already dealing with these things right and so you say i need this data for this this other team this other domain and you just go to them and say you are now required to do all of this stuff instead of we're going to come in and we're going to actually find the pain points and help you solve those pain points and as part of solving those pain points we're going to give you better and better capabilities to serve out this this information at scale and you know in a productized way so that it doesn't it's not that the solution is good today and you know um the you know you built your your found you built your building on a foundation of sand and so every day you're rebuilding your building because of of that so i i really like that kind of um concept and and you were talking about the buy-in like is are you finding it easy to to get buy-in or are you finding it hard like it, it sounds almost like you're going to people and going, what are your biggest challenges? And I'm going to help you solve those, which is not that hard to get buy-in for, for folks if you're going to them with a solution instead of an ask. Like how how are you kind of delivering that and keeping people bought in and leaning in that this data stuff is important? So, yeah, for me, the first, the most important lesson in becoming a solution architect is understanding there are no solutions. There are only trade-offs, and this is what I want to make everybody aware of. So I don't go to people say I have solution. I I go to them and tell them I have trade-off, and what we want to do in this session is find out is this trade-off worth the trouble. So and the other thing what I learned is in many years you can't actually ask customers what they want. They they are mostly obsessed by the problems they have and are completely fixated on a problem-centric view where we want to provide something that scales for the future. So what I found out is what works for me is um, talking to customers enough to get an understanding of the issues they are trying to solve and then developing a solution for them in kind of a POC style. And, and I mostly deal with engineering people, not, not IT people. So really people that want to focus on the business. And, and what, what we then do is propose a solution to them. And based on the solution we propose, and we try to do it with their own data and their own challenges, which we identify, then talk with them on an example basis of what would help them and what you, and regarding the question of buy-in, <clears throat> what I noticed is um, you, you can immediately sense if you grasp the problem correctly by the feedback. Um, so what, 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 for example, what we mostly, or what, what we learned in, in our context, we focused more on providing access to data that was previously mainly siloed and we found out that this in the perception of our customers is not their essential pain point it's more about this kind of fine-grained very scalable access controls which i had hadn't understand in this way before but when you did 
the the presentation it it was um, clear from from the first reaction that in the first case you know the core vision and abstraction was wrong and you you don't get the amount of buy-in you would need for this kind of journey. Um, when I do this kind of presentation, I really want to be my potential customers to be eager to use the solution. And and for me, uh, just as a side note, this comes uh, what I would consider the force force risk. So, and this is not um, not accommodating for the what I understand complexity of a data mesh, especially given that in my context. We are mainly dealing with engineers or people who haven't previously dealt with the data mesh. So this all processes surrounding center for enablement, um, onboarding, um, launching their first data product is of the utmost importance. So the customer doesn't get lost in what I see as complexity of a data mesh. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think that um, that's a kind of a common feedback of people who are further in their journey of like, uh, like two aspects of it. One is that complexity that people didn't expect it to be this complex, even though everyone's saying like, how do I do this? How do I do this? It's like, well, if everybody's trying to figure out how to do this, why didn't you think it would be complex? But um but I think even even when you're warned, you're still just like, this isn't going to be as complex as, as it ends up being. But the the other aspect that you said there was something that I've been hearing and I've been trying to convince people is that the, yes, people want access to additional data, but they want it relative to whatever they're trying to do, right? They don't necessarily want I want to be able to access all of this data, unless they're a data scientist or whatever, or data analyst. They want to access everything. But the business leaders aren't like, I want to access all of the data that is out there. They're like, I want to be able to answer this question, or I want to be able to answer these five sets of questions quickly and reliably. And, and that and that's what matters instead of getting access to all of the data throughout the entire organization. So it is about finding those use cases of what matters instead of just like we're gonna we're gonna share all of our data everywhere because that just creates it creates this thing of uh, hey wouldn't it be nice if you had access to all this data and then they don't know how to use it and you know that's where we get into the data literacy things and all that but it's actually a really common through line that a lot of people have have been saying so it, or, or that has been a common through line of their journeys that often, you know, you're, you're really recognizing it and you're honing in on it. A lot of other people kind of come to those realizations through conversations instead of uh, they're coming on the podcast and, and saying like, this is the thing to watch out for. So I think that's really helpful to kind of reflect back on that. Is, is, is that kind of like if you were to give advice to your past data mesh self, is there anything that you would kind of tell yourself? Is it the, those four risks and just be aware of those or have those always kind of been your framework as to risk? Or What what I found most surprising and what is, again, not mentioned in the book is that especially in my context of an established large 
large-scale enterprise with an established IT structure and processes, this kind of data mesh architecture presents a kind of how how shall like you you need very skilled people to implement it, and it's uh, so it's so it's like you have data mesh from from a more business perspective of, of course they initially want it because everybody wants to have a data mesh but a data mesh brings with it a very specific change in culture because you need to have very skilled people which are mostly because of their skills quite assured of themselves and then they need very senior business people who are themselves quite assured of themselves too but without the knowledge of data mesh and not accustomed to, to people um, wanting to be treated kind of equal because they are technical experts or something and you, 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 you create, create this kind of geek ninja subculture in, inside your company um, where on the one end data mesh is very requested because it's cool and trendy <clears throat> And possibly helps you solve your problems, but it's a cultural challenge, I would say. And this is what I would make my former self aware of that um, this kind of, um, that as I understand it or try to understand it from a more senior management perspective, um, this looks um, a or it's, it's a huge cultural change and this needs to be ne negotiated and there is a lot of communication involved. For for example, what, what I learned is um, most people didn't actually understand what I was talking about. And in my opinion, it was all very clear. But when you talk to very senior people, they won't tell you they didn't understand. <laughs> I really try to be understandable, you know, but they still didn't understand. And then again comes the problem that everybody is talking to different salespeople and they themselves propose something completely different as a data mesh. And so what I what I would um, say to my former self would be um, <clears throat> you need to pay a lot of attention on communication and aligning that you actually talk about the same thing have roughly the same idea of what you want to do the risks and complexities involved and and that most probably you will need to meet somewhere in the middle um be, where the business needs to understand or ac accept that given this this scale of data we are dealing with there is the necessity for cultural shift and, and giving more responsibility to developers and data engineers and that you most probably as a senior business pe people actually don't want to know all the details. And on the other hand, that um, these technical ninjas um, need to work on their communication skills. And it's, it's funny that exactly what you're talking about there was also something that came up a lot from people that were really high on the data warehouse when data mesh first started kind of coming on the scene and and that of 
those people that are those kind of technical ninja types that are at that like elite level, they're not used to handing over control of things. They're not used to enabling others. They're used to doing things for themselves because they're like, I can just do this faster than if I enable you. But I'm not, you know, they don't realize that they're not as scalable versus enabling the entire organization. And then that becomes very, very scalable. And so it's um, it's just an interesting kind of uh, push and pull that comes up in a lot of these conversations. And, and the I think the one that comes up the most is um, that buy-in isn't a switch. It's not as if you flip the switch and that person's bought in and you can never, you don't have to go back and talk to that person and continue to work with them on keeping them bought in. But it's, it's the, you know, it's like a, a friendship, right? Like it's, it's like any relationship you build it and you, you keep building it. And it's not as if, you know, once two things have come together, they stay together automatically. That person isn't necessarily bought in and their, their understanding can change. And so, and, and exactly as well, what you talked about of senior leaders, that's why I say unicorn farts. You're talking to a senior business leader, 95% of them don't care how you, you accomplish it as long as it is accomplished and they understand what changes for them, why do they do this, like what matters. And that, that conversation is difficult for data people because historically, the way that data people have been taught communication is to talk about the ways of doing the data and the like the the really in-depth aspects instead of talking only about what does this achieve like how does this drive what you're trying to do forward and extracting from that person and then reflecting back to them oh we're going to try and you know address the, the the problem that you've got you know I don't have a solution I've got trade-offs but Let's talk about what's this going to be? Is this going to be worth it? Is this juice worth the squeeze? Right? Is it so? I really like that kind of aspect on it. Are, are you finding when you're going into these conversations that since you've kind of leveled up on having these business conversations, are you finding that the business people are more and more receptive and you're having to train the data people on the communication they have to do? Or are you trying to get the senior business leaders to understand a little bit more about data communication? Like, how are you kind of working with your teams to, to drive that? I would say currently it's mostly me doing the talking or it, it, at least not many, many other people, but um, I try to work as kind of an ambassador. Um, what what I, I found out is the, one of the interesting things I found out is you actually don't know find the right people what what helped me a lot was um that I talked to quite a lot of people and many got got a glimpse of what what I was um talking about and much of it is is is, is just um um placing seeds and they need some some time to grow and they need circumstances you can't control to grow um, yeah, but especially internally, given internal events, etc. In essence, I've talked at most or all of them, and I do external presentations. So this, in some, not not one, not one event. It's not about the one person, the one event, but in in some, it's um, 
it was quite effective when and it's really nice to see when you believe you are lost for a moment and then somebody comes from somewhere uh, because you have talked to him six months before and yeah and and then new possibilities open up and then what I like would like to add regarding senior leaders is um that what I found out is what makes it complicated and well, what kind of helps communication is most of them have some kind of background with IT systems. So most of them have their preferred IT solution, IT way of looking at things, and it helps to understand the abstraction or the perspective by which they view the world. So yes, they are mostly not interested in how you solve the problem, but again, when you tell them something, they understand it in their frame of reference, which in many cases is um, is impregnated by by some kind of formal project, formal IT system in which they have come to understand much of the, of the challenges they face even years after. And so when you're going to them and you're building credibility, like we were talking about that in the pre-call as well, building this credibility that you're actually going to help them. You're going to add value to them, right? You know, and you, I, I liked one thing that you said, you know, you can only offer help, you cannot save them. But um, that when you're doing that, it sounds like you're doing a lot more listening than you are talking. You're not trying to convince them, you're trying to extract from them what they want to do and then craft something that works in their framing that somewhat fits, but that still achieves what you want to do from a product date productization of data capability standpoint and, and that kind of thing. Is that one, is that correct? And two, one thing I've struggled with is getting on people's calendars to say, what are your challenges? Maybe that's just because I've had um, kind of clear, more clear roles in a lot of ways, or, or I've just kind of known what people's challenges were. But like trying to get on somebody's calendar and just say, hey, just vent to me about your data challenges for, you know, uh, a 30-minute or a 60-minute session every couple of weeks. Are you finding that people are are um, open to that? Because I, I think that's something that maybe data people are just expecting that nobody wants to talk about their challenges and their data challenges. And that, you know, if... It, is that something that that people have been very open with you and willing to do? Uh, just to start with, you can't just listen because data mesh is a very new idea, and people know people know the name. Perhaps they know roughly the the concept, but that's it. So, so at least in my case, I need to start talking, and I really need to much of there's much talk, a lot of talking only clarifying um, what what we will be talking of um, when we talk of data mesh. And it's it's not one session, and mostly it's um, and it's not um getting you you know what what mostly worked for me was talking to a wide variety of people that are interested, and then. Normally, they in, they um, 
make the contact for you. So they invite you to other interested parties. For example, last Friday, I, I talked to an enterprise architect about possible projects and he, he named me two projects that might be interested. And so now I will schedule a call. But again, I, I will try to, what works is when you already have a project using it or what what I found out, um, most projects face similar challenges. So when you already have a project and you have something for them, um, I take this as a starting point and, and say, um, I would like to present you something. I've heard that you face these and these and these challenges and we have done, done something for Project X and data source Y and this worked for them. Perhaps you might be interested. Yeah, this is yeah, and then based on that, we we can explore further. That make, but it makes sense that you're also starting from a you have a project that you're working on right now. Like, wouldn't it be great if you could combine this data versus like this thing that you're doing? I think I might be able to help and add value or prevent you know headaches down the road or things like that. Um, but you're you're kind of listening at the org level rather than at the individual person level. But I do like that, that you've kind of done your homework when you're coming to a senior business leader and going, I've heard that these are the challenges. Is that correct? And here's what we're trying to do and why we think it can help, right? That you've done that homework instead of um, just going and presenting to them, let's do data mesh versus we're going to do something and we're going to do it in this new way, but that is going to help you to achieve your goals is, is that is that what's really resonating with them? Well, what I do as so so what what I describe to you is I normally start with the um, technical people that um, feel the problem and I start working with them and then we we develop something and then from them I understand what their senior business leaders' problem would be. And then we do a very specific, we develop a very specific demo, and then only then would we go to them. So it, it's even more focused. Um, I, I wouldn't just just reach out for the dim chance of, of having something to say. Uh, yeah, I really, in, in this case, um, I really want to make sure. That, and, and, and in this case, in my company, it, have something you need to have something polished and it's not just reaching out yeah that makes sense um i i like that but i i like that you're you're not coming to them and pitching them data mesh you're pitching them this solution that leverages data mesh right you're pitching them exactly so i'm i mean i'm completely opportunistic it's it's just that this fit one was a perfect fit to our problem. That's why I adopted it. I, I'm not married to the idea of data mesh in, in any way. And I, I've tried. What what I noticed even our data platforms was that initially, people believe these data platforms are mostly about doing more and more complex analysis on top of data. But actually looking at what our customer was doing, it was more about providing access to data, especially 
at a large-scale cross-project fine-grained access to data. This was actually not when you asked the project, but when you looked at how are they using the platforms. This was the most important feature in my understanding. And I tried to um, develop the solution on top of it, and I internally tried different different slogans and terms how to market it and data mesh just had the most resonance and that's how i ended with data mesh it's completely opportunistic and for me my loyalty to to data mesh ends when complexity gets too big or i don't see the value anymore i'm completely opportunistic it's it's just that actually it's for what we experienced i find it is and for what we already had in place, it is quite a good fit. Yeah, and 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 I, uh, you know, I try and convince people of this, and nobody really believes me. But I'm just as opportunistic, right? Like the whole reason why I've I've created a lot of this stuff, the podcast, you know, data mesh learning community, all that stuff, was because it felt like this could be um, a good way to approach this, or it could be the stepping stone as it evolves. You know. Is it going to stay under the, the banner of data mesh? Is it going to get a different thing? But you look at kind of like what microservices has meant and then, you know, microservices plus, you know, API revolution plus service mesh plus whatever on the operational plane, you know, CICD, DevOps, all that stuff, kind of combining it all together has driven us towards much, much better outcomes. So why not try that on the data side? But if it's not working, why do it, right? It's not like there There was kind of this cult of data mesh thing that started to rise up. And, you know, a lot of us that were kind of helping to um, communicate a lot in the community and stuff, we were like, hey, 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 data mesh isn't necessarily, it's not right for everybody. It's not right in every situation. It's not necessarily the answer. And it's not the only part of the answer. Data mesh isn't your data strategy, right? Data mesh can be a part of the data strategy as to how you're going to deliver, but it's certainly not business strategy, right? And so I, I like that you're saying like, hey, this approach is resonating, so that's a good approach for our organization. But if everybody was super allergic to it and I kept trying to shove it down their throats, it would have been a terrible decision, right? And And- I want more people to be a little bit more pragmatic about that, that some organizations, even if it's the absolute, it would be the absolute right call for them. If the organization is going to be allergic to it, you know, maybe you start to um, implement little aspects of it and you start to kind of try and move people in the right direction. But you've got to be pragmatic about this. You've got to be opportunistic. You've got to be thinking about what what is actually going to drive value instead of I want to do data mesh for the sake of doing data mesh. Like I, I love hearing those stories because you're having success by not going all in and going absolutely everything has to be exactly you know as the book says, even though the book doesn't really give. Um, you know, Jack and I have had that conversation. The book isn't about being super prescriptive because every organization is so different. So <laughs> they couldn't. It, she couldn't have written, and you know, she would have had to write one for almost every company in and of themselves to have a prescriptive thing for each company. But like when you're having those conversations, is, is that what's resonating? I mean, it, it sounds when you say 
data mesh resonates, is it that data mesh resonates and then you never talk data mesh again? Or is it that you're constantly talking data mesh with these senior leaders or like, how does that conversation evolve? Because to me, it's something that just kind of fades into the background of, hey, are we enabling this stuff? Is this is this the way that we're approaching it rather than data mesh is the point of what you're doing? Yeah, so so perhaps one one specific point on my company is quite large and quite hierarchical. So I talk to senior leaders, but um, you really should have reason why you need their time. So um, most of what I do is preparing, 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 and then a short presentation perhaps. But uh, what what I learned is you really when you want, when we are talking really senior leadership and you want to convince somebody, you really need to be very well prepared. So only the amount of preparation requires limits very much the um, the occurrences you really talk at this level. So, um, and and I'm, I'm, what I try to do is deliver a product. So, so something somebody in the real world would would actually like to have and um, be very attentive to what potential customers understand as this um, part of this product. So data mesh really sells, especially internally, but this is only to get the attention and then you get in contact with people and yeah, I, I really want try to learn what, what their challenges are and then design a solution surrounded. And yeah, and, and it, I would say what mostly then drives people in is um, talking about data sources you already have, you could provide access to and then have a clear understanding how one could, could transition from their starting point in an easy and low risk fashion uh, to towards a more data sharing oriented architecture, and it's um, you know it's about um, well, what I try to do is move at speed but keep my options open, so not to yeah um, be be simple, speedy, and keep your options open. It's I'm I'm laughing a little bit because we had a um, a panel of, of senior architects recently. And that was kind of the thing that that everybody kept saying was um, maintain your your flexibility as long as you can, maintain your flexibility as long as you can, because the later that you can make that decision, the more information you have, and the better chance you have of of not making a bad decision. Right? You're, you're never going to make the right decision because there is no right decision. But yeah, yeah, you you know when you when you talk to many people, ask me. Um, how can I be sure that this is the right solution? Have I evaluated every possible problem I could face? And I just tell them, no, I don't do that anymore. It doesn't work. You can't come up before and with all the possible problems. But what you can do and what works quite well is um, work in a speedy, simple manner and keep your options open because then you can backtrack and start again, and you are still faster than having all these, these, these analysis paralysis before. And 
what what I noticed, especially when you tra- want to transition to something new, for a lot of people, there's a tendency to get completely caught up and bogged down in analysis paralysis. And it's no, no pleasant pra- place to be because the longer you analyze, the more people expect you to be able to foresee every possible problem. And it gets even worse the longer you analyze and the less time you have for implementing. And as I already told you, I mean, I tried to find senior experts that could guide me and take me by the hand along the journey. I found none that had actually done it on our scale. So where's the benefit of doing analysis when you can't find people who have already been there and could help you? So yeah, for me, it's um, keep your options open, be speedy. And be speedy to backtrack once you realize you are climbing, barking up the wrong tree. I think a great way to, to wrap up the episode then would be on kind of the question of how do you do that to build to the bigger picture, right? Because what you're talking about can be very siloed amount of work, even if you're trying to prevent the data silos, even if every single organization, every single sub-organization, or every single project works completely differently, does that have enterprise scale? Or do you have the repeatability where you go, this works for for the vast majority of our teams? Like, I'm just, I'm wondering, have has that even been a challenge for you of building to that larger scale? Or has it been something that's just not nearly as uh, it feels like it's going to be a problem and, it, and then it doesn't end up being a problem. And for us, the great uniter is the data that actually many, I would say data is a perfect example of the Pareto optimum. I would say 80% want the 20% same data. So there's a huge, 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 huge overlap. And that's where I concentrate on. I don't want to provide a specific solution for a very special problem, but want to keep the big picture in mind and what are the most requested data sources and optimize for making access to them faster while still being able to make access for other data sets possible. And this is, that's, I would say, is how to integrate it into the overall picture of the enterprise strategy. For me, enterprise strategy is not about solving every possible data problem, but again, about having the right abstraction, the right core abstractions or a shared vision of, of your problem and a decision on the correct core abstraction to handle it. And this in itself should be this kind of Pareto optimal solution. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, well, we've covered a whole heck of a lot of things. Um, is there anything we didn't cover that you've wanted to or any way you'd want to kind of wrap up the episode and kind of what we talked about here? Yeah, to, to wrap it up, it's um, the larger the scale, the more important um, people become and and people management and good interactions with people and good communication. And this is something... Um, one thing is what everybody talks about driving cultural change, but the other thing is really it's um yeah it's it's like 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 placing many many seats and 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 establishing 
connections and improving communication to facilitate the whole process. Uh, yeah, communication comes up as kind of the biggest surprise for most people is communication, even though everyone tells you communication will be bigger than you expect. It's still bigger than you expect, even when people tell you that. Okay, well, you know, we've talked about a whole heck of a lot of things, like I said. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people that would love to follow up with you. Where's kind of the best place? Anything specific that you'd like people following up about? Yeah, so you can each re reach me easily as Christoph Schwor on LinkedIn. If you have any questions regarding what I said or want to get in a deeper exchange, um, I, I, I give quite a lot of external talks and presentations. Perhaps you can see me there. And we are hiring. So if you found what I told you enticing and would like to work in such an environment, we have a... Um, all kinds of open positions from engineer to architect on all levels. And that's great. And we'll, we'll throw links to that in the show notes, you know, to your LinkedIn as well as the hiring page and stuff. But uh, Christoph, thank you so much for the time here today. Really enjoyed the conversation and learned a lot. And as well, thank you everyone out there for listening. Thank you. Me too. I'd again like to thank my guest today, Christoph Spohr lead architect of big data platforms and the product owner of Data Mesh at Volkswagen Group. You can find a link to his LinkedIn in the show notes as per usual. Thank you. Hopefully that interview episode was really useful for you. Please do consider getting in touch with guests from the show, from these episodes. Most have said they'd really love people to reach out to them. And please, as well, if you've got a minute, rate and review the podcast somewhere. It really is honestly super helpful for other people looking into kind of data podcasts to kind of get this in front of them. Data Mesh Radio is again provided as a free community resource by Data Mesh Understanding. It's produced and hosted by me, Scott Herleman. In April of 2023, I left Data Stacks, who were wonderful in getting the Data Mesh community stuff started. So give them a shout for streaming and real-time AI needs. But I left to start my own industry analyst kind of information as a service firm. Our offerings are affordable and you can do them on a one-off or a month-to-month -month basis. You know, read kind of, throw it on the credit card. Don't worry about like going through purchasing and things like that. The services include lots of practitioner roundtables, you know, one-on-one -on -one data mesh kind of planning or feedback sessions and tailored introductions to other data mesh practitioners that are focused around your topics of interest. You know, what, what are you actually running into challenges with? We also have some free programs around introductions and roundtables that people can kind of check out as well. Check the show notes or just go to datameshunderstanding.com for more info or helpful resources. As always, if you have suggestions for guests or topics, please do get in touch as well. And have a wonderful rest of your day. Now let's hear that funky outro music.